So Money episode 1505, how to be a good troublemaker with New York Times bestselling author, Lovey Ajayi Jones. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. What is the power that we have? So if, for example, you are the boss, the stakes are much lower for you because you have more job security. Sure, the intern should, might want to sit back and not challenge the boss on their first day. But if you're the person running the meeting, what are the actual stakes? If you're the person who's been there for 10 years and you got a great review two weeks ago, what are your actual stakes? You have trust now. So when we're afraid to do the thing at the table, at the place where people trust us most, how, what do we do out in the real world? Right. Yeah. How do we really do make the change if in the room where the stakes are low, we have buy in and trust and we know what we're talking about. We shirk our power in the bigger moments that call for it. We don't even have the language or the practice. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. What a treat today. We are sitting down again after seven years with the wonderful Lovey Ajayi Jones. She was last on So Money when she was releasing her first New York Times bestselling book, I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual. Since then, Lovey has gone on to become a global sensation. She has written multiple New York Times bestsellers. She has a TED Talk with over 9 million views, Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, a highly successful entrepreneur, founder of All Love Media, and now coming out with a new picture book, Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess. It's out May 2nd, and it's about little Lovey, the main character, who learns what happens when doing something nice means breaking some rules. And we get into it with Lovey, how kids and adults, you and I, can break some rules for better outcomes at work, in relationships. Stay tuned for the end of the show when I'll reveal how to win a copy, a free copy of Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess, plus something else nice. Here's Lovey Ajayi Jones. Yeah, yes, how's it going? It's been too long. It, you know, I checked when you were, it was 2016. Oh my Christmas. gosh. I don't remember anything before the pandemic. <laughs> 2016. 2016. I was like, I think I talked to Lovey in 2019 or, you know, it was before the pandemic, but it was a lot before the pandemic. It was four whole years before the pandemic. Wow. That's actually was, surprising to me. It was the, uh, well, it was the election that we will not speak of. Oh, God. Um, yeah. A disaster. Well, can I just say, you know, even in 2016, when you came on the show and this was to promote your first book, which went on to be a New York Times bestseller, I had some goosebumps because I was like, this woman is going to your star was fast rising. And boy, did it ever like your book comes out. And I want to mention the title of that first book, I'm Judging You, the best title in the history of books, The Do Better Manual. That was in 2016. Let's just do like the highlight reel. Can we? I will, I will have you go first. Subsequent <laughs> multiple New York Times bestselling books. You started a multi-million dollar business. You are an international speaker. I think like you go to Shonda Rhimes' house for coffee. Like I think a lot of good stuff's happening. So um, fill in some blanks. 
Oh I God, need- filling some blanks. So, okay. Literally, if you and I talked in 2016, yeah, my life has changed so much since that it blows my mind. So let me think if I can go in chronological order in some way. So that 2016 was when Oprah chose me as part of her Super Soul 100. Oh my God. 2017, I did my TED talk that got a million views in one month and now has 9 million views. 2018, I don't know, some things happened probably. 2019, I started writing my second book, Professional Troublemaker. I got married that year. 2020, the world shut down. (laughs) All of our lives changed instantly. 2021, Professional Troublemaker came out. Instant New York Times bestseller. 2022, Rising Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual for Teens, which was the teen adaptation, came out, hit the times list. And then 2023, You were on So Money with Farnoosh. I mean- Yes, yes. (laughs) Your year is made. My year is made, let's be honest. Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess. This is your fourth book. It's coming out May 2nd. Um, yes. I want to get to that because it's uh, it's beautiful. I have kids um, and I can't wait to share this book with them. It's really about taking this troublemaking concept, this, um, you know, this, this, this framework that you have around being a professional troublemaker, applying that to a young kid. Like, how do you do this when you're seven, eight years old? Follows the story of little lovey maybe um, named after you. I don't know. And <laughs> the, the question is how, what happens when doing something nice? It means breaking some rules. Um, I want to get to that in, in just a second, but maybe first we can start with, because it's been a while um, and we yeah. were, we, I don't think we talked when um, the, your second book came out, uh, yeah. know, the, the troublemaker book. So maybe you could start by just giving us the sense of what is, what is being a, a professional troublemaker mean? And, and why is it so important right now? to embrace this. Yeah. I think being a professional troublemaker is being the person who's not afraid to challenge the rooms that we are in and elevate the spaces that we are in. You know, it's not about being a contrarian. It's not about being a troll. It's not about making people feel bad. It's about what happens when you are present and in what ways are you a part of the positive change? You know, we often want to be world changers or we want to make positive impact. And we think it comes from writing big checks or donating 40 hours of our month to something. And I think it actually comes in the day to day actions that we take in the rooms that we're in. So, you know, the professional troublemaker is the friend who goes, we should have a tough conversation. We haven't been seen out of eye. You know, they're the person who sits at the dinner table as the uncle makes a terrible joke and they go, you know, that's not that's not appropriate. They're the co-worker who reminds you like, hey, this idea and this campaign that we want to do, I'd love for us to get a little bit more thoughtful about it. I want to, I want to make sure we're both really proud of what happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what it means to be a professional troublemaker. It's just honestly somebody who's committed to elevating the spaces that they are in, even when it's difficult, even when you face yeah. opposition. And, and and that is sort of the thesis of your TED talk, which is that we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That thesis going hand in hand, I think, with this troublemaking thesis where, you know, to hear you speak, it's like about getting uncomfortable, being being willing to go out on a limb. And and to your point, it doesn't have to mean big gestures like these aren't yeah. things but they can be very transformative. But talk to the person who's still afraid, Lovey, because in in a work setting, for example, you know, navigating that, 
and being vocal in that context can sometimes backfire. And I'll be honest, like, I don't know if it's always wise to just go at it without a plan, which you're going to be disruptive, but you have to be really thoughtful about it because it could mean facing backlash and we don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you on the fear. I understand Mm -hmm. the fear of consequence, right? We don't like punishment, whatever that is. But I think oftentimes we attach high stakes consequences to low stake moments. So if you're sitting in a meeting and your coworker gives a, an idea that's not great and you don't speak up about it in that moment, you're saying like, oh God, I'm, af- I'm afraid of the consequence. But what's the real consequence that you're afraid of? If you ask a thoughtful question, what is the real punishment that comes from you saying, hey, I hear you, but I think we should go a little bit deeper. You know, we're not always going to be fired for something. We're not always going to be demoted. We're not going to get a bad review. Oftentimes, the consequence that we are afraid of is simply making the room a little bit tense for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if that's the consequence that, av- that avoids our voice, if that's the consequence that we're trying to stop from happening, so we stop our voices from being heard, when we walk out of the room, I wonder if we're going to be proud of ourselves. Mm-hmm, so when mm-hmm. you're sitting there and you're like, I am afraid, I don't know if I should say something, you know, because we're afraid of disappointing other people. You know who is actually hardest to disappoint more than other people? Ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know about you. I beat myself up in the moments when I'm like, ah, I should have done something different. So yeah. while you're afraid of disappointing other people, what about when you disappoint yourself? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we are our own worst critics. So in that moment, I'm going to offer you one question to ask yourself when you are afraid of saying that thing, right? That sometimes will push me over the edge. And that is usually, will my silence convict me? Mm-hmm. Like, will, when I walk out of the room and somebody was like, oh, so you were there when they came up with this idea? Did you say anything? And you go, no, in that moment, you will feel convicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you say, yes, I actually did say something. They just didn't listen. You go, I did my part. So just do your part and then let everything else happen. Yeah. It's like you say we're, we're afraid of, uh, of, of the consequences. We're also afraid of rejection, but to your yes. point, when we let that fear misguide us, we end up rejecting ourselves more than anybody yes. else. And yes. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. You, um, going back to your new book, about little troublemakers, real life, little lovey. When did you begin your troublemaking? And as a parent, how can I constructively introduce this to my children? Because I want to run an orderly house, lovey. You know, I don't, they make enough trouble. It's not always constructive. But what is the message that you, uh, that maybe you did get as a kid that you want more kids to have now in this modern dumpster fire world that we live in? This dumpster fire world, indeed. I think little kids are the original troublemakers, right? They go for what they want. Sometimes it's not, it doesn't really go well. And the reason why I wrote Little Troublemaker was to show that, yes, the trouble that you make doesn't always look good, but you should start making the best type of trouble. So for little kids, that might look like, okay, okay, you want something, use your words, Right. Like you can use your words to tell me what you want for me as a kid. So little lovey, like legit me as a six year old, I would challenge with my mom when I got in trouble. I would be like, cause I usually would get in trouble for like saying something to my brother and she'll hear <laughs> because it would be after he said something to me. So our, my response would get me in trouble. 
I would take whatever the punishment was and I'd come back and I'd ask my mom for an apology. I'd be like, mom, you owe me, you should say sorry to me. And she'll be like, why? And I'm like, you didn't hear my side. <laughs> like really? I was so much, I was all about feeling like both sides were heard. But what was the gift was my mom in that moment, listen to me, even she never gave me the apology, but she would be like, all right, go do what you were doing. <laughs> right. Nice, so right. having kids understand early on that their understanding of the rules of the world might not always make sense to them, but a lot of it is put in place to protect them. But while they are challenging, making them feel heard and that their voice matters goes a long mm -hmm. way. Right. Yeah. So the good trouble that they make could be, hey, mom, I don't want to eat this. And you go, well, what do you want to eat that we have? And if they have nothing to say, you go, well, kind of have to eat that. But I hear you, though. So next time I think about this thing that you want, mm -hmm. even though they still have to do the thing that they were going to do before, they feel a little bit more heard about their choices. So my mom and I think that was a gift that she really gave me was that I would challenge her and she wouldn't make me feel bad for the challenge. It's a message for parents too, Lovey. I mean, I'm hearing you and I'm thinking this is also a reminder to parents to encourage your children, to teach your children what the words are. Sometimes the kids don't even have the language. So it comes yes. out, their troublemaking initially comes out as a tantrum and yes. we dismiss it. But I remember my son who's in therapy, he's eight years old, he has ADHD and we wanted him to get some behavioral therapy because he has big feelings and we wanted mm -hmm. him to be able to have the courage and the words to talk about what he is feeling to us. Sometimes it's easier for a third party to come in and work with your kid than for the parents yeah. to do it. And I tell you, the first night at the dinner table, for the first time ever, he was able to say to us clearly, I feel like he used this was like literally he's like I sometimes feel as though um his sister's name is Colette that you you believe Colette more than you believe me oh oh my god and as opposed to like a meltdown or yeah. a fight with his sister over something yeah. he told us the root of it in a very yeah. adult way and that I have to credit his therapist because she helps to give him she worked language. through with him and she gave him the language and yeah. what a gift, what a gift. Yeah. Your mom gave you. you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then kids have big hearts, big feelings in these tiny packages. So little lovey and little troublemaker makes a mess. She literally has these, she's like, I want to help. So she tries to cook, even though she's not supposed to. One of the things that also I want to make sure people know, and especially the, even professional troublemakers, the grownups need to hear this is that, okay, when we do, make trouble, good intentioned, and it doesn't go well, we have to understand that it's okay to learn from it, learn and grow from it, but you're also not defined by your mistake. A bad decision, a bad choice, a bad day does not make you a bad person. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines in the book is that is little lovey always felt loved even when she didn't get it right. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering the many ways in which we might not have felt that growing up where we're afraid of making mistakes because every time we get make mistakes, we get scalped for it. We get like harangued for it. And then we then go back and beat ourselves up. And then we become the adults who are afraid of making any mistakes because mistakes feel catastrophic. Right. So how do we know, how do we tell and learn our, with ourselves that like you can still make a mess and still be a good person? And you talk about this in your adult version of this book too, where yeah. I think, you know, 
since, I don't know, I don't know when cancel culture, I'm using air quotes, became a thing, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, it's here and it's, it's something to reckon with. Um, and, and it has, I think, prevents people from being their vulnerable selves or admitting mistake or even willing to make the mistake because they're afraid of the backlash. For the adults in the room, what's your advice? Because this doesn't get, this gets harder, I think, as an adult, more, the stakes are higher. Yeah. Again, when we're sitting at the meeting and it's 10 people and what we're challenged to do in that moment is say, hey, everybody here, I know you all love this idea, but I really don't think it's as inclusive as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. In that moment, what are you actually putting on the line by asking the question? Does the question get you fired? Does the question get you written up? If it does, then that's a whole different issue, right? Yeah. If you sit in there asking a thoughtful question, again, you, it's not like you're cussing your coworkers out. It's not like you're like jumping across the table. You're going, hey, I'd love for us to pause in this moment to think about this idea. Do we think it is the best version of what we can do here? Mm-hmm. If that question could get you fired, you're in the wrong place. So I also yeah. want us to remember that when we walk in that room, What is the power that we have? So if, for example, you are the boss, the stakes are much lower for you because you have more job security. Sure, the intern might want to sit back and not challenge the boss on their first day. But if you're the person running the meeting, what are the actual stakes? If you're the person who's been there for 10 years and you got a great review two weeks ago, what are your actual stakes? You have trust now. So when Mm -hmm. we're afraid to do the thing at the table, at the place where people trust us most, what do we do out in the real world, right? How do we really do make the change if in the room where the stakes are low, we have buy-in and trust and we know what we're talking about, we shirk our power in the bigger moments that call for it. We don't even have the language or the practice. So we're not able to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're right though, by taking a a beat to recognize your power, we talk, we often forget the power that we hold in your Ted talk, which I want to talk about nine, over 9 million views. I just, as of, as of this recording, um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. What was the most uncomfortable thing you ever did recently? Uh, Cause you know, we go through it all the time. What was the payoff? Oh, uncomfortable thing I've done recently and the payoff. Ooh, that's good. You know, I feel like I constantly do uncomfortable things. I feel like I've had conversations that are really uncomfortable. You know, one of the things that we hate most is just feeling tension with other people. And I think the best conversations I have are conversations that start with conflict. Like even with my husband, if I'm feeling some type of way, I'll go, you know what? And, I, and my ego tells me it's fine. Just do the silent treatment. He should know you're upset. <laughs> what do you mean you can't read my mind? What do you mean? Yeah. But sometimes I have to take myself outside of that and go, hey, here's how that interaction rubbed me the wrong way. Here's how it made me feel. And being the initiator of tough conversations is deeply uncomfortable. So mm. uncomfortable. Like, I don't love it, even though I do it. I don't love it. But the payoff is I end up getting to the other side with him because we get to understanding. He goes, oh, yeah, no, that's not actually not that wasn't what I meant or that's not what I said or that's not what really came off. And then I can move on with my day without holding on to this piece of conflict. Mm-hmm. But think about how many times we will hold on to conflict and stories that we've told ourselves because we don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation. So I'll say that is my that is my practice. 
That's great. I've been married 10 years. You've been married um, almost four. four years. No matter how long you've been married, you will quickly recognize how many misunderstandings there are in Fast. marriage more than any Fast. relationship. And you're Fast. right. If you don't talk about it, it becomes this movie in your head. You're living, you're like a part in a movie. Yes. Your husband or your partner is uh, playing this role. He, he or she doesn't even know it. And in the number one, I think I've read this many times. The number one reason couples break up um, really at the end of the day is they didn't communicate over whatever the disagreement. And it just gets to a point where it's just too late <laughs> to unwind the movie. Yeah, and, unwind and the movie. Whatever. All right, let's talk business. I saw you let's on Instagram it. recently talking about how running a business is really, really hard. Yes. And that I I was like, yes, yes. Because um, thank you for saying that. I think it's important to like go behind the curtain sometimes. And so yeah. I know one of your big principles is making sure, and you were on this show in 2016 talking about how your definition of freedom, what drives your freedom is knowing that you're living on your own terms. Like you want to make enough money where you can live on your own terms. And yet you're running this multi-million dollar business with multiple employees and the days are long and hard sometimes. So how do you yeah. continue to course correct or adjust or find that joy and that happiness, even when the times are tough? Like what are the hard decisions I want to know that Lovey has made in recent months or a year, you know, regarding yeah. protecting your happiness? Yeah. Running a business, especially a small business is boot camp. It's life boot camp. Let's be clear. <laughs> it is so hard because you have to be decisive, but malleable and adaptive. You have to be strong, but also vulnerable to be a good leader. You have to be both creative and quantitative. So you're reading P and L's as you're coming up with ideas for campaigns. You have to be, um, understanding, but still very much strong about the business bottom line. That has been really tough for me because you're basically playing eight roles at once. Right. And I will say success being on my own terms means that every day I wake up excited to do my job, to do the things that I'm called to do, even though some days are long and I'm exhausted by it. Cause you know, you've heard that quote. That's like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's a big lie. That's not true. That is not true. No, like, no. So I no. <laughs> but, um, tough decisions I've had to make recently, um, yeah. letting go of people. Mm. One yeah. of my, least fun things about being a leader and a CEO is having to fire people or, or lay off people. Mm -hmm. That is always tough for me because I don't take lightly when I invest in people, whether monetarily or emotionally. And it's just one of those things that is tough about, um, running a company, team building. I have conversations with my friends who are also running their own companies and we all have agreed that people management is the hardest thing ever about running a business. I mean, it's a good reason to not run a business. Yeah. If that is not your thing. And I'm raising my hand. I've had one full-time employee in my 20 years of running a company. Well, less than 20, 20 years of doing my profession. Yeah. Whatever, 12 years of running a company. And I know myself, I don't want 20 people on payroll. I'm not built for that. And that's good to know. Like, I don't know if I'm built for that, to be quite honest. And I think that's why, like, I'm also learning what my flaws are in leadership. So mm -hmm. I'm learning from my coaches and my mentors. What you do is once you identify what your weaknesses are, put people in place 
yes. who are great at that thing. So you don't have to do it. So that I would say in the last three years is my biggest piece of advice for anybody who wants to be a leader or lead people. Know what you're good and bad at. And then what you're bad at, let somebody else do it. Get somebody else to do it. Yes. Yes. Outsource. Outsource. Um, I want to talk about Black Biz Love. Hashtag yes. Black Biz Love. Uh, you started this in August 2021, a digital awareness campaign that has infused half a million into Black businesses just that month. Am yes. I reading that correctly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us about that. It's uh, incredibly important work. And I mean, uh, perhaps it was in the aftermath of Black Lives Matter in 2020, but along those lines too, I kind of want to talk about where you think we are in our social racial justice movement, that the modern one, right? Like, have we lost some momentum? What's going on? Yes. So Black Biz Love was born out of just the fact that I typically try to seek out small businesses, black owned businesses for products. So my favorite lip is the lip bar, boss lady. I wear it all the time. So just naturally I talk to my audience about what I'm wearing, what I'm loving, what I'm clicking, what I'm doing. And they trust my judgment because they find that whenever they actually buy the thing I love, they're like, Oh my God, I'm obsessed now. Mm -hmm. So black biz love actually kicked off after some news articles came out about people's hygiene habits. So I just like, while I was in my bathroom and in my, in my robe, I filmed a video of me just ranting with the fact that I'm like, we live in a developed country. And unless there's some really deep extenuating circumstances, we should all probably have certain hygiene habits. And I showed a sponge that I use a mesh sponge that I use every day. And I'm like, I've been using this since I was little. And in 20, in 48 hours, that mesh sponge sold $50,000 worth of units oh by my, my audience. Gosh. In 48 hours. And I, and I went, you know what? August is Black Business Month. So I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to do the audacious thing of featuring a different Black business on my platform every day in the month of August across verticals, whether it's home decor, candles, whether it's clothes or toothbrushes. And yes, over that 31 days, my audience spent $500,000 on these um, businesses. And I continue Black Biz Love because I constantly talk about what I still love. But um, it was very much also because small businesses, Black businesses specifically are underfunded, under-resourced. So yes, it's good to raise awareness about them, but I really wanted to also raise capital for them. So mm-hmm. it was awesome for my audience in that moment who really trust me to say, we, we got you. We're going to actually support them. And it's been awesome because a lot of people who bought from those companies are like, now I'm a regular customer from them. Mm-hmm. So that other question you're asking about where we are in our racial. Oh man. So yeah, the black businesses um, was a great example of ways in which people don't put their money where their mouths are. Cause yeah, to your point, it was a year after the black square summer where all these brands put black squares up on their Instagrams to be like, we support black people and this is not okay. And we're going to pledge all these dollars. Well, a study was done after the fact where all the money pledged, like most of the money pledged, they never actually went through with it. Right. So they just made they just said the thing. They didn't do the thing. And a lot of times we get stuck in saying the thing without actually following up with action. So I'm like, you know, for those of us who have platforms that people trust, that people engage in, that people listen to, in what ways can we be a part of the change that 
the grand brands are not actually following through. So me being able to do my small part of being like, hey, y'all, support these businesses because they're not the ones that are being sent to the big retailers. They're not the ones that are being funded by VCs. They're not the ones that are being given grants and these huge resources. So let's do our part to give them capital. That's amazing. So what are you into now? <laughs> Ooh, what am I into now? Oh man, I'm into a lot of things. So it depends. Give me a category. Well, let's stick with beauty. I, I think that's... Ah. Always. I mean, you always look fabulous. You have a, you're very thoughtful about your brand. Can I just say, I mean, everything feels very concerted and like very you, very authentic. Um, I love your shoes. I love your jackets. I love your red lipstick. <laughs> you're, you're iconic. You're already iconic. Thank and you. you just, you've just started like, um, so yeah, I want some beauty tips and then I want to yes. know what's next. Like what is next? Because that's also part of the, uh, it's, it's the excitement, but it's also the hard work, right. Of always having yeah. to think about your next act. Yes. So a beauty tip, um, Denisa Myricks is a makeup artist mm-hmm. and she has something called a blurring powder that's available at Sephora that literally like you put it on your skin it literally erases your pores so it looks instagram filter (laughs) yes like it's an it's it's an in-person instagram filter denise myricks and then um and again like i actually i support the lip bar so much because i think they've somehow nailed the perfect red lip it's called boss lady b-a-w-s-e lady and i'll tell you your audience can use the coupon code lovey10 and they'll get 10 percent off Okay. And it's good on any skin tone. It's a, it's a blue based red. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're light, if you have a yellow tint, if you have a green olive tint, if you have a neutral undertone, it looks good on every woman and it stays for like seven hours. So it's called the boss lady lip bar. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy the troublemaker makes a mess. I'm going to buy yes. this lip balm yes. or lip lip bar. I'll buy a few and I'll give them out to the audience. So stay tuned for the end of this episode to learn how to qualify, to enter, to qualify for this bomb giveaway. Yes. I love that for you and them because when they, when they win the red lip, they're going to be like, (laughs) Oh my God, this is what I wear all the time now. You know, I've always been intimidated about a red lipstick. I've always gone like pink or peach or, you know, I feel like I can't pull it off, but I think that this, this could be it. This could be it for me. Can you try it for me? Try it, take a selfie, put it on social and please tag me Farnoosh because I want to see how fire you look in this red lip. I promise you. Fire. All right. Done. Consider it done. And before we go, what, uh, what are you up to next? How can we continue to support you and your next project? Yes. What I am up to next. Well, one, once Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess is uh, launched and I have my tour, which I'm in conversation with Tabitha Brown virtually so people can tap in on that. I'm going to take the summer off to catch my breath, to frolic with friends and family (laughs) and to just have a good time. And then I am going to be back in September and I'm going to do a book publishing course, book marketing course. Yes, I have been able to hit the times list three times. We're claiming four times with Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess because I drive it in the way I brand the books and the way I market the books. 
I'm able to do this over and over again. And I think I have the cheat code. So, and I really want to pass it on because I think so many of us have stories mm-hmm. and ideas that need to get out to the world, but there are so many ideas that never get out because people don't see it through. So I want to be an enabler of that. So a book publishing course is coming. If anybody wants to get notified for that, they can go to lovey.org slash connect. Sign up for my newsletter. You'll know when the, you know, the book publishing course is ready. You'll know about any other thing that I have going on. Yeah, that's, that's what I have planned. Well, could you little ask, come out with that course tomorrow because I have a book coming out in October. Oh, Ooh, you're about to be in book, book camp. I mean, I'm kind of in hell right now. Um, I, I but I'm, I'm, I'm watching you lovey. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you because yes. I'm so inspired by you. And, um, I'd love to learn everything you have to teach and maybe I will take well. it in as a crash course. You know what? I might, I'm going to start thinking about you when I think about delaying the fact that I've been, this is something I've been sitting on for four years. It's been on my mind for a while to do this class because publishing and books are hard. Yeah. They're hard. And honestly, like publishing houses were not built to be the machine to market it. Right. So the success of a lot of books ends up being on the author just because the publishing houses, their job is to just print. Right. They'll do their best, but you need to also come with your own magic, which is why I am excited for this. So like legit, I'm going to be thinking about you if I even think about procrastinating on this class, because I know (laughs) that people need it. So many people need it. I'm going to demystify all those different pieces about what makes a book successful. Well, I'd be happy to contribute because I I've done a book workshop in the past. Um, I've written three books but, and it's been, but it's been 10 years. So I'm learning all again for the first time, but my, I feel like what I could offer your audience is just how to get on, how to get press. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who worked in the press, who is the press, yes. who gets press. Um, yes. it is, it's not the only thing that moves the needle, of course, but it, it's, you know, it's important to get on those, on those platforms. But I love that you're doing this. I, I'm, I look forward to everybody who's going to take this course Thank you for gracing the show once again. Let's not let seven years go by. I know, right? That's so long. I did not realize it's been so long. Um, but it's so nice to connect with you. I'm a super fan and you're always welcome back. Congrats, congrats, congratulations on Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess. And stay tuned, listeners, for that freebie sweepstakes slash giveaway. <laughs> I don't know what I'm calling it, but you're going to get a lipstick and a book if you listen for the the end of the show. Thanks, lovey. Thank you so much for having me. I love sharing space with you. Thanks again to lovey for stopping by. Here's how to enter to win Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess and a free Boss Lady Lipstick from The Lip Bar. What you want to do is between now and May 2nd, which is next Tuesday, which is when Lovey's book comes out, leave a review of this episode. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you learned. And I will select next Friday, May 5th, someone who left a review of this episode to win this book and this lipstick. All right. So to repeat, if you want to enter to win Lovey's new book and the lip bar lipstick, leave a review of this episode. Tell us what you liked 
on the Apple Podcast Player. Um, let us know that you listened to this episode, what you learned in this episode. Do that by May 2nd, Tuesday, May 2nd. Then on Friday, May 5th, I will select one of those reviewers to win this prize. If you'd like to learn more about Lovey and get on her newsletter and not miss her course and everything else, the website is lovey.org slash connect. Lovey.org slash connect and Lovey is L-U-2-V-I-E. All right. See you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. I hope your day is so money. Money.